the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene, taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Bring the bell radio. Listen to J.D., Barris, and Logan talk about wrestling news, reviews, in-depth conversations, and interviews. The podcast that we want to hear, and you will to Ring the Bell Radio. We call it in the ring. Yo, this is Supermax Hernandez, and you're listening to the Bill Podcast. Boom. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and today's guest is Supermex Sean Hernandez, professional wrestler from Texas. How are you doing, sir? What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for coming on. Not a problem, man. Uh, the last time I think I saw you was at the show in McAllen four years ago. Yeah, about three or four years ago. Yes, sir. Yeah, and it was uh, that day was my uh, wedding anniversary, <laughs> and so I was uh, I I couldn't stay for the main event because I had more important business with the boss. Oh, yeah. I understand, man. I understand. I'm the same way. <laughs> but I but I enjoyed uh, visiting with you that day. I enjoyed the matches that day. That was uh, I I got uh, when the photographer that was helping me left. I got up there. I was taking some pictures and got a little closer to the action than I would have liked to, but (laughs) because it came out of the ring, it was basically all over the place. So I was involved somewhat too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's how, that's how Lucha goes. So that's that's right. So for uh, some of my uh, listeners that may not be familiar with you, Sean, go ahead and please uh, just give us a brief description of your career, a little, where have you been and how long you've been doing it? Cool, man. Um, I started wrestling um, late 96, 97. I started training with Tugboat Taylor at his school in Houston. Um, before that, I was playing football. I was in, I played college football at Texas a and McKingsville. Then I played uh, two years of arena football for the Houston Thunder Bears before I started uh, training to wrestle. After I started training to wrestle, after about two, three years, I went to all Japan wrestling in 2001. And uh, then I'm Started globetrotting, going to, you know, AAA in Mexico, going to Puerto Rico, going to Canada, going to England, different places, Germany as well. Finally uh, got my foot solidified in TNA in 06 and stayed there until about 2014 and then went to Lucha Underground for a couple of years and back to AAA and now I'm just I'm like a little nomad, you know, hired gun, you know, go to Impact for a little bit. Go back to AAA. Who knows where you'll see me next? And we and we've talked in the past, and you know, you were one of those guys. A lot of people, when you talk to wrestlers, you know, their main goal is to go to WWE. You know, that's that's where they got their 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 target set for. Yeah. And that was never really a big goal for you. But you've done something interesting with your career. I mean, I know very few wrestlers that travel internationally as as yeah. much as you probably do. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I mean, 
I wanted to be like my dad. He traveled worldwide, but the difference was he was a Green Beret for 30 years. So I wanted to travel without doing the military time. <laughs> and uh, when I was a young man, then, you know, I've been, you name it. I mean, I've wrestled for Great Khali in India. I've wrestled uh, just recently, probably October for Halloween, I wrestled in Canada, which was kind of weird. And I begin with all the that you know the vaccine mandates and stuff just to get across the border. Um, I love wrestling in Mexico. That's probably the best crowd I've ever been in front of any crowd from Mexico. The Puerto Rican crowd is really good. Um, one of my sleeper favorites is the German crowd because I used to you know before the COVID problem and stuff like that, I would go to Germany like once or twice a year around Oktoberfest, and you can't beat being on in Germany during Oktoberfest is phenomenal. Describe that a little bit. What's the scene like? I, I, I bet it's a big party, right? Oh, yes. I mean, they, they start when the sun wakes up. And um, so I'm, we're walking around, you know, in, it's like those little villages and cottages things, you know, it's like you see in the movies and stuff like that. They you know, have the downtown set up like that. And then there's little shops like this. And I think there's little cups, you know, I think that, oh man, it's cold, so I have some coffee. But there's liquor in every bit of their, everything they drink has liquor in it. <laughs> so I mean, these people are are probably, are drinking solidly probably about eight to 10 hours a day. You know, got to see, you know, the world famous Autobahn where, you can go as fast as you want on the highway. That's kind of a little bit scary if you're the passenger in another country, <laughs> you know. Right. And uh, the food is great. I love the food. It's awesome. I mean, I can't say nothing but great things about Germany. They treat me great. I love going. I can't wait to go back. And, the you know, the wrestling scene there, you know, if, if you talk what I've heard about Japan, and, and yeah. I can ask you about this in a minute, the crowd is a little different. They, I heard that they they just kind of watch silently as somewhat. I mean, you you tell me. This is what I heard. Oh yes. But but what's the difference between Japan and Germany? Tell me that. Okay. The, the Japanese fans, they the reason why they're silent is because they're actually studying as a sport. So the fans, you know, they wanted they were actually checking out to make sure if you really know how to wrestle. You know, the worst thing wants to happen in pretty much anywhere but America is if the fans start laughing. When you're being serious, that means they think your wrestling's a joke. <laughs> so when you know once that once the match gets going, probably after about the five or six minute mark, they go, oh, okay, he's a competent wrestler, especially if they don't know who you are. You might just be some big American guy, they don't know. But they, you know, they study. They really, really study, especially for if they don't know you that well, if you know how to wrestle. And they're very appreciative of the big, the big uh, transitions and big moves, and obviously the finish. But they are more students of the game than any fans you know, across the world. And then in in Germany, what are they like in Germany? Well, Germany is a little bit different because. They, you know, I, I wrestled in like uh, old, like old time German dance halls. So 
there were in German, they go by European rules, which is like boxing, which is, they do rounds. So you wrestle for about two or three minutes and then like a minute break, you know, and you, until the until the match is over. Now, during those breaks, <laughs> the minute break when you're trying to rust and stuff like that, they're chanting songs either with you or at you, <laughs> you know, and then I remember wrestling, you know, in Hanover, and this little old lady always screws me always for since 2009. Oh, you think you're big and strong because you're from Texas and this and that. Well, here, drink, you know, you know, drink this German liquor. We'll show you how strong you are. And it's all these fans. So this is during that minute break. They're chanting for me to drink it and, you know, having the bravado, you have to do it. So, I mean, it's like a little bottle, like, you know, like one of those, like, air, you know, air, you know we're on the air, airport, I mean, the airline. Right. The tiny you know, ones. Yes. Yeah, so I just, brother, I have never felt even a little bit buzzed wrestling, except when I'm in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> because the worst thing happens is if you drink the whole thing, then but, you know, I thought, okay, this was shut her up. I'll drink it. Everyone's happy. After about the second or third round, then someone finds another one, and they find another one, and they find another one, and there are got twenty five hundred people clapping. You know, your drill is up. Something's gonna happen. You don't want to get booed out of the building because you didn't because you're too good to drink German liquor. But there's a time and a place. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a time and a place. You're you're working. Uh, it doesn't matter to them. <laughs> <laughs> so. You said you liked also liked wrestling in Mexico. What what is yeah. it that you like so much about wrestling? Is it the style? It's the crowd. Uh-huh. The crowd feeds you. You feed off the energy. I mean, the crowd will appreciate. You know, if you if you entertain, whether you're a technical wrestler, whether you're a fancy high flyer, whether you're just a comedy wrestler, or just one of this, you know, works in the crowd, they appreciate that. And there's no bigger drill and rush when you got. Five to twenty thousand people chanting or booing your name. <laughs> you know, it's the biggest. I mean, I've wrestled all over the world, and I would rather wrestle in Mexico. Just, for, I mean, like crowd-wise, not saying like TV or or anything or money or something, but just based on the crowd alone, Mexico City is where it's at. <laughs> And, and then going back to Japan, we touched on it a little bit. You talked about the fans and that they're studying yeah. it. Uh, there was a lot of American wrestlers that went over to yeah. Japan. Bruiser Brody mm-hmm. spent a lot of time over there. Stan mm-hmm. Hansen spent yeah. a lot of time over there. I know that the Destroyer spent a lot of time. Matter of yeah. fact, I think the Destroyer was more famous over there than he'd ever been here in the States. Uh, Stan Hansen, the same thing. Right. So what what do you think it is about you know, if, if maybe a, a wrestler from the States finds his groove over there, is that is that it? It's either you you find your groove over there or you just don't go back over there. Well, it's real simple. You find your groove or they don't bite you back. <laughs> you know, that's just how it goes. And how many times do you think you've been over there in your career? Uh, nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and when you go to Japan or Germany or... Yeah another country what are you talking about what i mean are we talking a couple weeks are we talking a week a month 
it all depends. Like when you're in, you know, like when I was in Japan from 2001 to 2004, um, you're doing four to six week tours. Um, if I'm going to Germany, it all depends on how many days. You're probably there for about 10 days. I've wrestled for the Great Kali in India. I was there for three weeks. <laughs> and that was pretty rough. <laughs> but I mean, it all depends because, you know, you, those flights are not very cheap at all. So they want, you know, the promoter wants to get the most bang out of their buck for the money. So they try to coordinate as many dates they can for you to get that, that plane ticket back. To get their investment back. Oh, yes, most definitely. I was curious, have you ever spent any time wrestling in South Africa? I learned a little bit from Lance and PJ Black about South yep. African wrestling. The last time I've been far, far away from home was probably 2019. I went to Australia. That was kind of fun, but I haven't had the pleasure of going to South Africa yet. And what was that trip in uh, Australia like for you? Outrageous. I mean, because you got to realize we flew, I flew from L.A., I mean, from Houston to L.A., L.A. to Sydney. So you think you're in Australia. Then you got to drive. Then you got to fly another six hours to the west side. Wow. Or in Perth. So, I mean, just to fly alone, I mean, it took me about two or three days to get with that jet lag. <laughs> right. And, and how soon were you working after you landed? Maybe four days. Okay. The promotion that was beautiful. The, the promoter was awesome. Took very good care of us, and you know, he would, the only thing that was kind of messed up, he pulled a nice little rib on us. He told us as soon as we got there, that the very next day, that he had a, wanted us to be on at uh, seven in the morning to shoot a TV spot for the show. So we get up, we go downstairs, we're ready, and come to find out. He tricked us and made us go skydiving instead. <laughs> I've never been skydiving. You know, I went with Homicide, and Homicide's from New York, so you know he's never, he probably never seen what skydiving is. I would try it again now, but when I first went there, there's no way. I mean, I remember I was, I was supposed to be the last one off the plane, and they tricked me. I was the first one. So I'm holding on like this, and they were pushing me, and I wouldn't go. They finally kicked my hand. I'm, but amazing experience, but still very scary. Yeah, that that is something that I would be okay doing without. Yes. I, yeah, I I don't have to jump out of a plane. I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> it is not on my bucket list. Before we got on the on the air, we were talking about. Uh, the Knights, I was telling you that I recently interviewed them and you were telling me a story about yeah. uh, their son. And uh, would yeah. you share that with us now? Of course. Um, we were doing shows and TNA was doing shows in, in the UK and um, the Knights were there and just visiting because I mean, they're <laughs> famous and trying to, I guess they were helping out with some of their talent, with some of their talent with, you know, with production and stuff like that. And, their son, you know, tall kid, and he was probably about 17 at the time, and uh, he wanted to try out. And I kept pushing D'Lo Brown, who was the talent coordinator at the time, hey, man, give the kid a try. Just give him a try. Who knows? I mean, look who's training him. His mama and his dad, he can't be that bad. Just with the silent scene, and he went there and did a very good job. 
I was very impressed. Everyone was impressed. I'm not the higher fire guys. So I don't know what happened. If you know if he got hired or not, I'm sure he, well, at the time he did not. But he was he did very he was everybody was impressed with his ability. And then when I come back and talk to the parents, they go, oh, "He's not even the best wrestler in the family right now." I go, "Really? He's pretty solid. He's only 17." He goes, "The best wrestler is this one." And this that was Paige, and she was a 14 year old kid at the time. And just standing there, I went, um, "Okay." Um, you know, you think, ah, yeah, right, no way. And look what happens. Right. You know, a couple years later, she's more famous in WB. Right, right. And and really left a, a pretty good impression. Oh, yeah, in a short time, yeah. In a short time. I think, you know, she did a lot. Her and, and a lot of the women did a lot for women's wrestling. Yep. Yeah. They, they, I, I think they really brought it, brought it a little more to the forefront. Uh, most definitely that was the beginning of it right there yeah absolutely i wanted to ask you what do you, what do you think about the scene of wrestling today you know we've got gcw is shooting off like a rocket you know uh aew is banging heads with wwe mow is running pretty good impact is doing doing their thing and so what do you think about all these companies and in, in the state of of where wrestling is today, as mm -hmm. as a wrestler, how do you see it? Well, it's I mean, it's a great time to be a fan. Most definitely, it's a great time to be a fan because you can sit at home and flip a channel and see the guys you want to see on television without leaving your house. But I mean, it's for I would think for the the wrestling as a whole, it's way watered down because you got to realize you can watch wrestling pretty much on TV Monday through Saturday. You know, AEW, WBE, MLW, you know, GCW is now, you know, getting spots, Impact, you know, Ring of Honor, you know, they they folded, but you know they'll be coming back because they're it's like a Phoenix. They have, they're sponsored by a, a television network, so it's a matter of time before they come back on television. So there's no mystique. You know, when I first started wrestling in the early 2000s, WWE bought out WCW and ECW folded. There was only one wrestling thing on television at the time. You know, so when you have all these wrestling shows on television, what happens? You have a big, you know, gluttony of wrestlers. Everyone's not getting paid well, you know. Some, you know, money's got to go to production. Money's got to go to the venues. Money's got to go to editors and the network, stuff like this. Those days of making six figures and not being WB is few and far between now. Um, WB is obviously, if you're not WB or AEW, the chance of you making six figures just in that company, not with indies and not with a Twitch page or OnlyFans page, or I'm talking about just from that company alone. There's few bar between guys, make, guys or girls making six figures just from wrestling alone. Because there's a big, there's a big wedding of, of wrestlers and on television. So where's the money going? Right. To support the television. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, in, in, until it's explained that way, I don't think a lot of people see it that way. As a fan, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, why do I have to go to a live show, right? Yes. If you have television for all those for all those promotions on, on TV, why would you go to a local indie show? Why would you go to a live event for WB or AEW when you can watch on television for free? You know, there's no you know, urgency to go see your your favorite wrestler because let's be realistic, if he's not in WB, who knows? You know, it's just like when you have uh, uh, local wrestlers and they all wrestle, say, in New York. And they all wrestle for, and there's like 10, saying there's 10 independent promotions in New York. So I say, hey, Vince, come watch me wrestle Saturday at XYZ promotion. I'm busy, man, that day, or I have to take the wife somewhere. Oh, well, you can catch me tomorrow at ABC promotion. You know, it, it lessens the, the quality, you know, when you can see when you can see all these guys in television, you can see all these local stars on 10, 15 promotions around town, it doesn't make no one special at all. Right. And then somebody loses, and in this case, the yeah. small, the small time promoter. Yes. Right. I mean, he's he's gonna probably feel it first. Of course, the yeah. wrestlers too, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to somebody recently and we were talking about wrestling and uh, the about the accessibility and he said yeah it's too accessible yeah you know he says he says you can get your your tax money and go get a ring and you're a promoter yeah yeah, yeah we have most you know most states do, do do not have a commission that regulates who can run and and make sure it's a real business and run right to, to protect the fans, the business, and the wrestlers. You know, like Oklahoma has one. Um, I think Louisiana has one, but Texas does not have one. So maybe that would help a lot, but still, it rolls downhill if you don't have, if you have so many guys on television and so many promotions on television. Why would I want to see these local stars when I can see guys already in shape and doing the moves on TV and on my own couch right Right. you know my uh little cousin he's about 12 and uh he found a an independent wrestling promotion that he likes in pittsburgh and he's gone with his friends a few times and i think Mm -hmm. they come out um once a month or so and for whatever reason he wasn't able to go with his friends and so he asked his dad and he goes you really want to go to that it's not WWE or AEW. And, and, and my little cousin said, Dad, it's better than WWE. And let me tell you why. You know, it's up close and personal. Yeah. There's not a bad seat in the house. Even the, the bad seat's good, right? Yeah. Well, most definitely, <laughs> you know, independent, on an independent wrestling show, you know, like we were talking earlier, wrestling's on television all the time five, six days a week, right? So how hard is that indie promoter, how hard is that indie wrestler have to work to get you to pay to have you, your wife, and your two kids to come to the ha- come to his show? 
So, I mean, say just a minimum, you know, basic independent show. That's 40 bucks, 10 bucks, 10 bucks, 10 bucks, 10 bucks. So that's 40 bucks just, just to get in the door, right. not gas, not to feed them, not nothing. So how hard does the promoter and the indie wrestlers have to work to get you to come to the show and to keep coming back? That's, that's, the, that's the trick right there. Yes. You know, if you can get them in the first time, the yeah. goal is to get them back the second time. Oh, most definitely, or the promoter, or the promoter won't be having no more shows. Right, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I know, I understand. I understand completely. You've wrestled in a lot of independent wrestling promotions, and, yes. you know, there's the, the thing that I like is that, you know, the, the wrestlers are, are accessible. I mean, you can talk to them, you can visit with them, you know, I mean, it's, you're not going to get that at a big company. They're not coming beyond the no. the curtain. No, 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 not even close. You know, without without paying for meet and greets and stuff, that, not even a shot. You know, maybe if you happen to be sneak back, you know, it's the back parking lot and pass security and and hang out by the where the rental cars where they hang out so they can leave the building. But I mean, an independent show, you could get autographs, pictures, whatever, at a minimal price, you know, if, if not free, and maybe just even share beer because most you know, most places have concessions where they have alcohol there. So right, it's different, man. Different, different, different deal. Yeah, it's a different atmosphere. And and when you experience it, you know, yeah. I, I tell my wife all the time, I, I'd rather go to an independent show yep. than the big ones. The big ones I would rather watch on TV because... Okay. I can see it better. <laughs> yep. You know, on an independent show, I, if you have like one or two, you know, maybe one or two recognizable faces, just so you can get the wife to go or the kids to go or your buddy to go, I promise you, you'll come to go see those people, but there's going to be some up and comer that's going to catch your eye that, hey, that guy really entertained me. Or right. that girl really entertained me. Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're right, and yeah, it, it takes maybe one or two recognizable names, and yep. but you know, there's when you when I was looking at posters and looking at uh, different shows, you know, sometimes I'll see something on on Facebook, and yep. you know, I I live in South Texas, so everything's a hike for me, right? Oh yeah, unless it's Brownsville or McAllen or yep. Corpus Christi, I can do yep. that pretty easy. San Antonio or Dallas or, you know, that, that gets difficult when you're working the next day, man, I see some of these cards and I'm thinking, wow, this guy's on there. Gino Menid is on there. You know, Supermex is on there. You know, you've got all these different names. There's a lot of great wrestlers in Texas, you know? Oh yeah. And the, the shows that, that I can't get to that I, what I'd like to, or, there's many. <laughs> Texas, Texas is booming for, with uh, independent wrestling. I mean, from say Dallas to, to the border, there's wrestling shows every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, it all depends on what what you like and what you are entertained by and stuff like that. Um, I still follow old school rule. Uh, if I'm an independent show, I wrestle in say San Antonio. I only wrestle for one independent place in San Antonio. 
Arnold Russell for one independent place in Houston and Dallas and so forth. So it's not, I'm not oversaturating myself. And, you know, if you oversaturate yourself, the chances of you making decent money does not go up. It goes down because say I wrestle five top five different promotions in San Antonio, that's five different chances for the fans to see me in San Antonio. So obviously your bargaining your bargaining goes way down. Right. You, you know what? It's funny because I, I think about this. There was a uh, singer and his name escapes me right now, but he did this huge stadium. You know, he this huge stadium tour and did the stadiums, did the stadiums, did the stadiums, did the stadiums. And then when he got done, he asked his manager, he goes, okay, what's next? And he goes, go home and don't come out for about two years. <laughs> Let them miss you. Yep. I think about that, you know, and there's a lot of truth to that. Oh, yes. I mean, you know, if, if you know, especially Sam Russell in Houston, and I get a very nice crowd reaction. Why would I want to ruin it by wrestling in Houston the next night at a different place? And then, you know, next week, Russell and Houston in a different place. Yes, and before anyone hears this, is on the independent circuit, is making the way up, I understand. And yes, I was that guy too, trying to get my, you know, I don't want to hear this. I'm trying to get my name out. You know, oh, that's why Russell eight different places in, say, Dallas, because I'm trying to get my name out. Oh, yeah, let's be realistic. If you're Russell in eight different places in, say, Dallas, Eight different places a month, you're not making money. You're probably making 50 bucks or less. There's no way that your name value is this high. So all these places are selling selling their buildings out. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be in WWE or you'd be on Impact or you'd be on AW because you're that big of a draw. There's no way some guy's wrestling eight times in one city a month and he's I'll be not, I'll be generous. He was not making more than a hundred bucks that night. So there's that. You know, why not go once a month to Dallas and get your fan base and your and your draw and your bargaining power up, and then you just slay an intermission for in merchandise sales, and then come and then re-energize and regroup and come back next month and the next month, not the next day. Right, because if I'm a fan of yours and you know maybe you come in and i don't get to see you that time but yeah. then two months down the road yeah i can make that show yeah. and i know you're coming yeah. what am i gonna do i'm going exactly you know it's you know if you if you if these if the upcoming indie guys would limit their accessibility to different promotions in that city they're bargaining, they'll be making so much more money and the, and the merchandise sales will go double and triple because if I'm a big fan of, say, you know, Joe Smith and I got to pay 40 bucks to get my family to the show, you got to realize I can't pay 40 bucks all the time, but eight different times a month. So, but if he's only coming one month, once a month, I'm going to make sure that money's saved and my data is saved and all the kids are good and you know we get we get there early just see this guy i mean if you know especially we talked about earlier 
independent wrestlers give the better show because they need that money for you to keep coming back so they can run monthly in the same building. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It really is. When you, when you break it down like that and you think about, you know, because I don't think about that. Well, for myself, I have to, because that's, you know, you, you have a job, you know, so, you know, you know, when your check comes in, you know what your money is. And Russell says you have to think about the month. You got to think about, is this a hobby or is this how I'm going to make a living? If it's a hobby, I'm not, I'm not disrespecting anyone who's making it a hobby. Cool. You can wrestle 10, 20, 30 bucks, whatever it is. And wrestle eight times a month in the same place, in the same city. But if you're one of these guys who want to make it to the next level or is a young guy very hungry, you're shooting yourself in the foot doing that. Because, I mean, sooner or later, how many independent guys do you know or even I know that wrestles, say, six to eight times a month that has a, uh, has a real good-paying job? Not that many. Right. Most of those guys are, are, are taking jobs with a flexible schedule so they can go take off Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and come in late on Monday because they, they came from three or four hours away. So how many jobs are going to say, hey, you know what? Take three or four days off a week. Don't mind us. <laughs> I know we're the ones who are, who are giving you a paycheck every two weeks. Go live your dream. And then you live in the real world. You know that does not happen. You'll be getting fired and you'll be hoping to collect unemployment for that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're switching gears a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Now that you got me doing math problems in my head, switching gears a little bit to talk about me and you've uh, talked several times over the last couple of years. Uh, we've, uh, you know, uh, we've known each other for a little while and I've had the opportunity to uh, write a story on you, which this past year I put in one of my books and it was the Russellville, the pro wrestling vault volume one. And what was your reaction about that? I was I was glad to work with you on that. Yeah. And that that kind of came um the second book, I had a different idea. Yeah. I was going down a, a totally different direction. And mm -hmm. when I started hitting walls, um that idea was suggested to me. And so yeah. me and John Paul LeBlanc, who mm -hmm. you saw all the pictures. Yeah. We put all his pictures in the book and I put 35 yeah. short stories in the book. You have a story in the book. What was your reaction to that? I was, it was probably surprised, to be honest. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I really look at the book and it's going through it, it looks pretty cool. I'm, not, I, I'm either oblivious or I didn't pay attention. I didn't realize there was a story on me in the book until I <laughs> got to my page. I go, holy crap, come look. And it's, it was a very refreshing because it wasn't just about TNA. It wasn't just about, you know, big time wrestling. It was a little, a little hodgepodge of everything, which was awesome. You know, so it was like a stroll down memory lane for myself, you know, all throughout the years of going through my career. It was pretty cool. You know, as you get older, you forget a lot of things, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, 
I mean, much appreciated. Thank you so much. It was super cool. You know, going, strolling down memory lane, it was awesome, man. Much appreciated. Hey, did you notice that you were on the back cover? Yeah, no, that's, I thought, I go, uh, no, but that's what I'm saying. I, I'm just totally oblivious now. I saw my, my face, but I had no, you know, I didn't put two and two together that I was I had a story too. So that was super, super cool and a big surprise for myself. You know, when I interviewed Mike Rapata, yeah, for for that story, yeah. he that that's in the book as well. He talked about you in the interview. Oh boy, <laughs> it, it it didn't make the story, but he said that because uh, I asked him if he ever wrestled in Texas, and your name came up first. Oh boy, and, and he said that boy is huge. <laughs> that's <laughs> I okay. That was. Vince, I was very early in my career. And, you know, for, you know, I broke my neck in 2009, so I'm, I'm about 250, you know, 250, 260. But when I, you know, before I broke my neck, I was anywhere from 295 and 315. And a uh, big powerlifting guy and didn't know my own strength. Literally did not know my own strength. I remember wrestling him. And he chopped me and I chopped him back. And he literally jumped out of the ring with the biggest handprint I've ever seen on it. I was like, oh my God, I'm never gonna wrestle and give a chance to wrestle a big time wrestler ever again. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm, I'm hyped up on getting my drilling going, you know, here's my chance to wrestle a bigger, a bigger name guy. And in my mind, I thought I screwed it up, you know. <laughs> He was very professional when he came back in the ring and everything worked out good. But I mean, that was a, a big wake up call. Hey, uh, you need to start controlling some of that stuff you do. Was he NWA champion at the time? Yes, sir. How many times have you stepped in the ring with an NWA champion? I have no idea. I mean, because, you know, NWA was at first was part of TNA. It was NWA TNA. So, I mean, if you go with that, I would say at least eight. No, I mean the probably the biggest thrill I ever had, you know, as a as a fan, as two thousand nine in the Russell one on one match versus Sting. So that was super cool. You know, here I am facing off against one of my heroes growing up and there he is across the ring, ready to rip my head off. You know? So it was pretty cool, man. I have a sting story too, but it's not as cool as yours. <laughs> I was at the uh, matches uh, years ago. I was probably 15, 16 years old. And sting was uh, after the matches, we were trying to get into the dressing room or back in the tunnel, you know? Yeah. And sting was standing up against the wall. He was wearing cowboy boots and kind of like a faded uh, blue jeans and, Oh, you know, that, I, that was a look in the 80s, sir. Yeah, a jean jacket, and he was oh, uh, standing up against the wall. And we just walked back there like like we own the place, right, me and my friends. And Sting said, hey, are you guys, do you guys belong back here? And I said, yeah, we're here to see my uncle. He goes, who's your uncle? I go, Ric Flair. And he goes, security, security. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I should have said somebody else. <laughs> you got to see a lower card guy, man. Because you say Rick Flair, no, bro. 
They know better than that. Right, right. Yeah. I should have said Johnny Mantel. Anybody. <laughs> but one, anybody but one like the top, you know, like the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Come on. Hey, I was I was a kid. Hey, that was quick winning though. Hey. <laughs> thank you. All right, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. What before we wrap this up, anything exciting? What what's the future hold? Um Still trying to fight for all the time, you know, trying to still wrestle and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, you know, been really busting my butt to get myself back in really good shape. I've been in this good shape since about 2014. And uh, I really want to travel, you know, internationally, you know, maybe go back to Japan, definitely go back to UK, Germany, and places like that. But I mean, uh, as life goes, you can't wrestle forever. So uh, my father owns a winery in Palestine, Texas, and um, me and my wife are helping him do some different things with that and um, with wine festivals and different outlet stores and turning, make it bigger than it is. He's had it there since 2008. And uh, man, he's like, in the Anderson County, he's the king. He's the king. I mean, he has the best sangria in the whole county. People are traveling from Dallas to from Louisiana, different places just to come there because, you know, he's a little bit up there in age, obviously, you know, he thinks if his product is that good, that you should come to him, not be distributed through, you know, different stores and different outlets like that. So his winery's open, you know, uh, I think Tuesday through Saturday, no Sunday, and he just kills it. He just kills it. I mean, he's got about seven, eight different wines, but that sangria is still the best he has, man. That's his best seller. Is there a uh, Supermex Cabernet? As far as you would say that, um, my wife redesigned the label for the uh, the sangria. It has my back on there with her with her hand on my back. We see it with a big Hernandez tattoo, so. That's the, that's the new sangria label, so you can't miss it. Yo. I have a picture of that tattoo. I sent you that picture, you remember? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well, Sean, it has been a pleasure, as always, visiting with you. We're going to have to do it again. Yeah, we'll have to be at a wrestling match, too. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been right. a wonderful time, man. You're awesome, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Awesome both. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. Tune in to the Wrestler Weekly Podcast with Mike Leotis. The Wrestler Weekly Podcast. Mike digs into interesting wrestling topics and conversations. The 2022 season starts in January with guests like Austin Idol, Nick Aldis, John Arezzi, and George, George Napolitano. Find Wrestler Weekly on have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes. And of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon.